The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell, that's Tom Fernelli, and that right there is Eric, the winner of the Big Ten Win Totals Auction. Eric, thank you so much for your charitable contribution to St. Jude's. Very much looking forward to chop it up with you. And hello to everybody watching us at youtube.com slash cover three or listening or watching on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for hanging out. Smash the subscribe, smash the like, come and join us in the chat. And speaking of that, we will be having some surprises, some pop-ups, some little little treats for all the subscribers on YouTube. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. Best way to know when you can be a part of that, smash the subscribe and then also turn on those notifications. Now we will be diving into the Big Ten West win totals. That includes Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue and Northwestern. Um, and we've got some headlines to get to as well. Briefly, now again, I'm, I'm trying to limit our realignment talk. But first, Eric, I uh, want to welcome you to the show. Thank you again for your contribution. And and when did you uh, when did you jump on board with the Cover Three podcast? Started about a year ago, um, and I was t- telling you guys this uh, off air. But what got me hooked was when um, I heard Bud Elliott talking about backup left tackles for Miami, Florida, and we're like, oh, this guy knows his stuff. And so, um, quick shout out to my brother, Justin. I was at Costco yesterday and he calls me and says, Hey, um, there's 10 minutes left on this, on this, uh, auction. Uh, I think I'm going to bid on it. I said, yeah, bid on it. You know, I'll throw in a couple hundred bucks, you know, if, if you win, he goes, 
yeah, we won. And oh, by the way, you're going to go on and not me. So here I am. <laughs> Family affair. Shout out to Justin. Shout out to Eric. Y'all are tag team in this and you get all the glory. Tom, I know you're glad to see an Illini fan was able to beat out the Michigan men. It's it's always nice to have backup on this show when you're surrounded by ACC homers <laughs> to have another Illini fan on here to help speak the truth and spread the gospel of what a real football program looks like. Well, listen, they they tell us that they, uh, you know, we we don't talk enough Big Ten. This is Big Ten, and we've got Big Ten blood here on the show. We begin with a, a quick headline from the Big Ten. I'm not sure what the unpacking is, but at Ohio State Athletic Director th- this morning early, we get the press release that he will retire in July 2024. He'll see out this academic year, the fall, the spring sports and whatnot. And then, you know, there will be a, a new path forward for the Buckeyes. Tom, I'll let you get first word here. Is there a, a main takeaway or a, sort of a, a way to spin this forward that seems really significant to you? He's been at Ohio State for a long time. He has been in college athletics for a very long time. Is this uh, just the something that makes sense to you or is it a, a sign of more changes that might be to come? I think he's like the longest tenured athletic director in the conference right now. There might I can't, I can't think of who would be longer off the top of my head. But, I mean, there's – Nothing huge to take away from it other than Gene Smith did a really good job for Ohio State while he was the athletic director of the school. If you look at what the football program has done during his tenure and what they've been able to do with the basketball program and other sports, you got to be pretty, you know, you have to be appreciative of what he did for the school. But I think there was kind of a tip off the other day that this was coming in that when Gene Smith was asked about like the idea before Oregon and Washington got announced and all the rumors were floating around, Gene Smith was doing a press conference or something. And he got asked about whether they were going to be joining the league. And he says, when you know, I'll know that to me is the kind of thing that you hear from somebody who's like, ah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not planning on being here when that happens anyway. So yeah, I'll find out what you do. I'm not all that worried about it. So um, it's, it's going to be strange. I'm sure Ohio State will be fine. It's a pretty attractive athletic department. I don't think they'll have problems finding somebody to take the job, somebody qualified, and I think they'll go on going on, you know, keep on keeping on. But Gene Smith has been very good for that program and that school for years, so he'll be missed. Uh, clearly, he did a great job, but I, I, I was thinking about the next guy or woman, you know, who takes over this gig, how dramatically different it is in just a decade of the expectation of what an athletic director has on their plate. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, you used to be throwing old coach in there, kind of an honorary position, mm-hmm. go root for all the teams. Now you have to have somebody with business acumen who's, you know, working the networks behind the scenes to make sure you're in the future of college football, that you're, you know, you're not getting caught blindsided like some of the athletic directors have. I don't think that was a risk at Ohio State, clearly, is one of those brands, but just in general, thinking about how dramatically different the athletic director is now and the job, what it entails, and how crucial it is to your program's success, too. Do you think that this is, is it fair to group this in with Jack Swarbrick? Is it fair to group this in with both administrators and coaches that are looking at the future of college athletics and being like, ah, you know what? I, I don't. I don't want to do this. I don't want to adapt. I've had, you know, you probably, you've made a good salary, especially as college athletics has exploded. You can probably filter this into, you know, other opportunities if you need to, you know, there are, um, there are, it, again, I think this is happening with athletic directors. I think this is happening with administrators. And I think we've even seen it uh, with coaches. And I think maybe more in college basketball than college football, but certainly you've just sort of looked at the landscape and the way that things are changing and not that, 
it's a wrong path forward, but that you have served this long career and that like teaching an old dog one new trick is like, ah, like Gene, Gene Smith's good. Like it's going to get really turbulent. It's going to get really tricky. I mean, we athletic directors might literally be CEOs of private businesses in five years. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. could see somebody who's been in forever just being like, this is good. This is a, this is a good time for me to, to bow out and let somebody else take over. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the primary motivating factor behind this or if he's just, you know, reaching that age where he wants to go live his life. But yeah, I think if I put myself in his shoes or any athletic director's shoes right now, I'm looking at the future of what's coming and I'm probably not sure I want to be, you know, the one to have to figure all this out myself. Yeah, you've served enough. Eric, you got any good Gene Smith memories? What's your favorite Gene Smith moment? Um, I don't know beating Ohio State in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, I do know he was pretty influential um, in getting football started again, right during the COVID year or whatever. I guess that's my that's my main, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, the uh, and again that will be July 2024. And as Danny mentioned, very interesting to see who ends up taking over one of the like we talk about brands and you know big football powerhouses. And Ohio State is in the first sentence anytime that you're going to start listing some of the biggest ones in the country. Um, one more quick headline uh, before we hit the break and dive into the Big Ten West win totals. So, Cal and Stanford, that ain't it. Now, now we're also vetting SMU. Ah, uh, Danny, I'm like this. It, I've seen so many different examples. Um, I, it might have been our friend Robbie Calland who threw out the "It's one fifty-five a.m. at the bar" kind of energy. Like last call, looking around. Uh, I saw the, the very astute Ryan Nanny says this really feels like the stocking up on toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic kind of moment. Um, like, like Danny, what what are we doing here um, with the Atlantic Coast Conference? Explore again, just exploring the potential of adding Cal Stanford and maybe even SMU uh, as well. I mean, we were, you know, on the text thread last night, you know, we were talking about it and like SMU, you uh, there's a better brand than Stanford and Cal. And my thought was like, can you explore something else and just ditch Stanford and Cal altogether? Like how about SMU and Tulane? Like can you get in that Dallas corridor or maybe bring back UConn to the table? But then, then you're reading like it's either – all three or just two. Like there's not an SMU only option. So I'm like, well, what? These are all bad options. And it does feel, those are great analogies because that does, I mean, it it reeks of desperation of trying to do something. And I would just caution the ACC and Jim Phillips to don't just do anything, like do something smart. And I don't think that adds a ton to, you know, to the ACC, the perception, like, I don't, and tell me one I mean, unless you really want to sell the academics, which is great, and not everybody wants to try to do that, what other area do they present a strength that you're like, yeah, that makes sense? I can't think of one. Just getting into the Bay Area for the network to get more money, if that's still how it works. But even then, I'm not even sure how much more money you're truly going to get for these days. But my thing is, like you mentioned Jim Phillips, you want him to maybe think this through a little bit more. I'm wondering how much say Jim Phillips has in this. Like, is this ESPN pushing this because they're like, well, you know, we can get more money out of the ACC network this way. And maybe, you know, we'll, we'll reconsider redoing your deal a little bit to help out if you do that for us. But I think just as a football move and just common sense, I, Cal and Stanford in the ACC is just dumb. 
in that they're literally on the Pacific Ocean, so they're going to be joining a conference named after being along the Atlantic Ocean. It's the all coast conference, okay? Yeah, all coast. But Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA are in the Big Ten. So is Maryland. So it's like that kind of thing doesn't really matter anymore. At least it should, but it doesn't. I I think SMU is actually kind of like a decent school to add in that if you look at what the 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 power brokers at SMU are trying to do behind the scenes, that's a program that I think if you put it in the ACC and give it that kind of prestige and that power five kind of, you know, I don't know, kicking the kicking the ass. Like it would generate interest in that program from the fans in that area, which I think they've already got the money. They're just trying to get more fan interest in that Dallas Fort Worth area in the program. And I think with the right kind of investment that they're getting, like that could be a top half of the ACC team within a few years. And that would be good. They're not going to be like, I don't think they're going to be competing for national titles or anything, but I think you'd be adding another stronger football team to the league, which I think is good in the long run. And I'm with you, Danny. I, I would rather have Tulane than either Cal or Stanford because no, you're not getting the Bay area population wise, but you're getting new Orleans, which it's not a top. I don't think it's top 20, but it's still a pretty large city populated area. You're getting into Louisiana for high school. And granted that is a giant uphill climb to get any kind of traction in that state as recruiting, unless you're LSU or one of the other sec schools, but it's better to have a foot in the door than none at all. You get into Texas, both in the Southeast Texas and you get into the Dallas Fort Worth area with SMU. So I think logically those two have pluses that make more sense to me than Stanford and Cal. Stanford and Cal just feels like you're buying a name more than you're buying anything of actual value. So if I'm the ACC and I'm looking to expand in that manner, that's where I would go over Cal and Stanford. But what I wonder if this is ESPN kind of driving this, is it an indication of what could be coming from Florida State and Clemson? Yeah, oh, the pre-backfill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's one of the arguments that I thought was that there's panic and you're just going to go ahead and get ahead of it and and backfill instead of having to react after a team loses, mm-hmm. leaves, that you anticipate Florida State and maybe more will be looking for a way out and they might get it done in the next six days. They might not but that the indications are becoming clear that they're going to try to seek another conference. The selling point, Danny, to your earlier question, to me is just inventory. The fact that we just run less. And again, I love the documentary, so I'm not talking trash on it, but like we run less of the eight part ACC tournament documentary and more live sports, you know, (laughs) that we are going to be able to have the future Olympians that are coming through Stanford's Olympic sports and be able to place them somewhere. We're going to be able to feature all of these other, you know, Olympic sports as live sports opportunities. And that's just going to be a way to increase value in the network. In addition to Tom, what you mentioned, which is who knows what it's worth. Like I've seen someone estimate that, you know, being able to distribute the ACC network on the West coast in a way that you weren't before might just only end up being a couple million dollars per school. I guess Mm -hmm. not greatly change your outcomes, but it would be, you know, more money. The question is whether the university presidents are going to stomach all of the logistical nightmares and travel costs that are going to come with that. So I, if I, you were backfilling, why not go for the pack four? Why not go for all of them? Is it more travel nightmare? Cause it's a lot easier to fly into LAX or San Francisco. I think it's as easier to, to get into Corvallis or yeah, like that's the issue because I think you would, 
Like, why wouldn't you just go snatch them all up if you were looking for inventory and looking for that? Because they make way better sense. They're better football brands. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it's it is like we are talking about <laughs> academics. We are talking about the, the last great champion. I mean, of of everybody that's at the highest levels of college athletics, Jim Phillips is like truly championing like the student athlete experience. I mean, and it looked what like a psycho. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but like I. I believe that he believes it. His kids are mm -hmm. athlete, division one athletes. Like they're, he really is trying to fight for that. And there are university presidents in the ACC that are glad that he is fighting for that, you know, because they want to see that as well. So I'm, I don't, Eric, if you were Jim Phillips, what would you do? Um, I'm not even going to comment on that. I'm just going to put my hand up and say that I did lie a little bit when I said I, um, listen to every single episode. I have occasionally skipped the conference realignment episodes because I'm just so done with it. Good for um, you. <laughs> I want to skip those too. <laughs> listen, I, I told somebody uh, the, the trickle down realignment moves are kind of yeah. like when the olds got on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm off that. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get it. Doesn't get me going anymore. Those are, those are fine. The first big headline splashy one. Okay. I can get my engine going, but we'll see again. The, the current state of things is that this is just exploratory. You know, ACC is leaking out, you know, exactly where they are in the process. No votes have been taken. Um, we'll see if let's, let's just say we're, we're going to be back together on Thursday, but do, do you think that the ACC will be adding one of the three schools that have been mentioned so far? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. I say no. I mean, SMU saying I'm we'll do it for free. <laughs> but, there are, but why can't you take them by themselves? See, then if, if they're free, I'd do it. But that, the whole thing like is going on. If SMU is willing to come free, I don't know why the ACC would pass up on that. Like, if they're like, eh, we don't even need money, we just want in, I'd be like, okay, come on in. That's yep. true. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Just as Eric said, some of y'all just blow past the realignment talk. And I understand. Okay. <laughs> this is like, it, I, I wish that our win totals were not being blocked up right now by conference realignment. The cheese of the, <laughs> of the diet here in the preseason of college football. But we are going to get into it. Big 10 West win totals with starting with Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Next. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, only but so many win totals episodes left, so we must cherish every single time that we get blessed with the voice of the general manager of Vanderbilt Football. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. Was there ever another schedule somewhere? That's what I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it it was it was the schedule um, that all the Louisville players filled out for themselves that did not include practice, <laughs> or film study, or listening to Bobby Petrino for the back half of that uh, twenty eighteen season. All right, we begin with the Wisconsin Badgers new head coach and Luke Fickle, one of four new head coaches that we're going to have in this seven-team Big Ten West division. And the Luke Fickle era begins at home against Buffalo in week one. Then they are to the aforementioned Pullman to go play at Washington State, back home against Georgia Southern, then on the road, short turnaround at Purdue. Early bye week after just four games on September 30th, back in action, Rutgers at home, Iowa at home, at Illinois, Ohio State at home, at Indiana, Northwestern at home, Nebraska at home, and then the season finale at Minnesota. Now, of course, we are going to be doing something that has blown everyone's minds, so if you haven't heard it yet, hold on to your skull, but Wisconsin's going to run an air raid or something like it, as they've gotten offensive coordinator Phil Longo in, and they brought in Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Now, you still have Braylon Allen, one of the best backs in the conference, there to be able to establish some consistency uh, to what the Wisconsin fans, the traditional ones, are used to, and they return a lot of production on the defensive side of the football as well. Uh, Over-under win total at Caesars, 8.5, over-heavily juiced at minus 150, under at plus 120. Tom, why don't you get us started? What are we doing? Well, first, I'm going to start by saying you mentioned that there are four new coaches in this division, which kind of adds some volatility to trying to figure out what's going to happen this year. And of the programs in this division that we're talking about today, I don't think there is a more volatile program than Wisconsin as far as what we could see from the Badgers in 2023. This is a team that could win 11 and 10 games and win the division. This is a team that could end up going seven and five. There's just so many parts that we don't know with all the transfers that have come in to help kind of, you know, play in the dairy raid with the new coaching staff, with all of this stuff going on in one off season, it's hard to really say for sure what you're going to get. But I will say, Chip, you also mentioned, you know, the air raid look of it. Phil Longo did have 2000 yard rushers in one season at North Carolina. It's not like he doesn't oh, no, know. Air raid doesn't mean Hey, listen, that's what it, I'm saying. But I'm, it, this is for the listeners. Cause okay. they hear air raid and they think, Oh, they're going to throw the ball 75 times a game. No, they're just good. It's the Baylor offense. They're just going to spread everybody out and then they're going to run. But I'm going over. Cause I do have faith in this coaching staff. And I do think that with Braylon Allen and this offensive line, they're going to have some success on the ground. I think defensively, they're still going to be pretty good. I don't think their defensive line is as good this year as it has been in recent years, but I still think it's pretty good. And I think that there is a solid enough floor because of that. But the thing is, when you look at the schedule, like 
Buffalo at Wazoo, Georgia Southern should be wins. I think going to Purdue on a Friday night makes it a little more difficult, but I also think, you know, there's a new staff there as well. So I think Wisconsin, I'd give them a slight edge in that one. Then you get Rutgers. So there's a very good chance this team starts 5-0, and but then you get like that stretch of Iowa at Illinois and Ohio State in consecutive weeks. That's a tough three-game stretch. I don't know how they're going to get through that and how they're going to feel when because that's going to be their first real tests of the year, in, in my opinion. So I'm going over. I'm not overly confident in it because, like I said, there's a there's a wide variance in where the Badgers can be. I think they're going to a bowl game for sure. It's just they might barely get to a bowl game. They might also go undefeated in conference play. I don't know. Almost the same um, analysis. I mean, they're, they're the four games that I had as toss-ups all on the road, as you mentioned. And they're all games like I could talk myself into one way or another, right? Like Washington State beat them last year at home. Cam Ward's back. Like that's a tricky spot to go to um, Purdue. I was leaning more towards a little bit more confident, a win for Wisconsin, but you know, and that kind of, will get to that down the road. Um, Illinois, another one, like how do we feel about that game? Another one, uh, that one for me was more of a toss up. And then Minnesota last game of the year. And a lot of two new coaches and new quarterbacks, like you're breaking in, you know, a lot of the most important positions, either one or the other, or both at all of these schools. I went. I'm going to go over for a couple reasons. One, I do think the Braylon Allen effect will alleviate some of the pressure to have to throw the ball. Like last year, we saw Drake May emerge because they didn't have much of a run game. But two years ago, as you mentioned, you were able to run the ball a little bit better, and they backs are playing the NFL now. Um, I'm also a big believer. And by the way, Tanner Mordecai has played a lot of football. I know the spring game wasn't great. I do have to kind of consider his new surroundings. The defense sometimes will dominate a spring game, so I'm not that concerned about it, although I kind of am, but he's played a ton of football. I think you get a veteran presence there that the team can look to, their stability. I think that there's a pretty good floor that could be there that's just better than Graham Mertz or some of the quarterback they've had of late. I'm a believer in Luke Fickle, man. Culture, I think the defense, which you would be concerned about the defense because Jim Leonard no longer there. I mean, he was one of the rising stars, and but Fickle is just as good, if not better, with more experience and a bigger resume so I'm going to say the defense, they can hang their hat on that as well. I'm going to go over. And I like I, Dom said, I wouldn't be – like if they're the surprise team of the year, kind of like TCU was last year, I wouldn't be shocked. But I also could see them kind of have a learning curve of, oh, we got to – you know, it's a new staff. You know, we have to figure out this offense. I could also see them, you know, being seven and five or eight and four. But I'll go ahead and lean towards the upside surprise. Uh is this not – I mean, you guys are slightly over. Is this not an easy over? Because they're going to be favored in, what, every game except for Ohio State at home, right? Possibly, yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? Because they get Iowa at home. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, they're not – well, they could lose Washington State. They did last year. Um, the other tough game at Minnesota, maybe they won't be. But, yeah, a team that's going to be favored and you know, they'll lose to Illinois and Ohio State. And other than that, they'll <laughs> – Probably ten and two, right? Easy over. Yeah, yeah they'll, yeah. they'll lose like to Illinois and Ohio going. State. Yeah. I love Those this. Yes. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that you know, you mentioned that you know this could go poorly. Seven and five is the floor. Like mm-hmm. I, I really don't see they think about their Big Ten East draw. Yes, there is Ohio State, but the other two East teams are Indiana and Rutgers. Like they, mm-hmm. that is uh that is about as favorable as as you're gonna That's- get. 
That's well, the sorry we're making you play Ohio State draw here, Indiana and Rutgers. <laughs> That's the package, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, you have to buy the two sequels if you want to get the first one as well at the VHS store for the oldies out there. Um, no, I'm I'm over on this too for a lot of the reasons that we discussed. So uh, we got we got a clean sweep, and Eric says it's an easy over. They're going to take that L to Illinois and to the Buckeyes as well. That's a ten win football team. Bud is on the under, by the way. So. Bud is on the. That's right. He only has two overs in this division. Mm-hmm. Find out which ones. Bud they hates the Big Ten West. Always has. Always will. That's right. How many games are going to win this fall? And how many points will you score this fall as well? <laughs> as offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, excuse me, has the uh, contractual challenge of scoring. Was it twenty? Five points, points per game. Yeah. 25 points per game across the 12 game schedule. A schedule that starts with Utah State at home at Iowa State. Cyhawk there in uh, week two, as usual. Uh, Western Michigan back at home, then at Penn State, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin, then Minnesota at home. A little bit of a late off week, October 28th, then four games left on the schedule when they're back in action on November 4th. The Northwestern and Wrigley Field, Rutgers at home, Illinois at home, and then at Nebraska on Black Friday. Uh, Eric, I'll throw this one back to you. This one is uh, eight and a half and just sort of split evenly on the pricing, minus 115 to the over, minus 115 to the under. How do you see the Hawkeyes uh, ending up in 2023? But first, I want to discuss, you caught yourself, you said, uh, Ferentz instead of Ferentz. Can we get Bud Elliott on that train too, or are we just going to have him keep saying Ferentz? <laughs> so, something we can talk to him about. Um, no, I've I've got the I've got the over, but it's not something I would ever bet. Um, it's such a wild card with with um, their offense. I do think that Cade McNamara is an upgrade, but but is he much of an upgrade? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not betting it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. Um, I like their upgrades, but is Caleb Brown any good? We don't know. He was probably what fifth, sixth string wide receiver at Ohio State. Um, you know, so I do like that they get Luke Lachey back. And who's the uh, who's the other tight end? Eric they, All. They, yeah, Eric All. So I'm sure they'll you know have 150, 60. Uh, receiving yards when they play Illinois and then their receivers will have zero. So that's, that's one thing I, I would bet the over on. So I'll go over. I don't not confident enough, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand. Outstanding analysis. I like it. <laughs> I, so I'm on the over too. I actually feel way better about Iowa's over than I do Wisconsin because of the schedule, the way it sets up. I think it is extremely favorable to get, you know, most of your winnable games at home. I know it's road, but I had them losing on the road against Penn State, and I actually had them losing on the road against uh, Wisconsin in that matchup. That could be the the game that decides the fate of this division. But I think it is a huge upgrade in quarterback, and it better be right, or else you're going to see Brian Ferentz fired. You're going to see you know not reach the goal. Like you're going to see a lot of hard questions. But man, there's one thing I know about Iowa that you're going to get an offense probably going to look the same. And you can put in, you know, whoever you want at running back. It's kind of the NFL philosophy. We're going to have an offensive line that we're just going to pound it down your throat. And my goodness, Phil Parker is one of the most underrated defensive coordinators there is out there. Their defense is going to be really good. They're going to be legit. And they're going to win ugly, you know. And maybe it's not as ugly as it was last year. I think it'll be a little bit better looking. 
but I think they're the team uh, to watch out for. That consistency, I think, pays. Of all the you know, uncertainty that's out there, I, f- I feel best about what you're going to get from Iowa. I'm with Danny. I'm very confident about this over. This will probably be on the locks pod next week. I think they have made a tremendous upgrade at the quarterback spot going from who they had the last couple of years to Cade McNamara. I don't think Cade McNamara is an all-world kind of all-conference player, but I think we have seen him perform at a much higher level than we saw any of the Iowa QBs of the last few seasons perform. And I think that is a huge boost. I think Eric All is a very good player. I think Caleb Brown, we haven't really seen him at the college level yet because you're right. He was stuck behind a whole lot of NFL dudes at Ohio State. But I think Caleb Brown is a very useful player. And he's probably the best receiver on that Iowa roster the second he steps into the room. My biggest question about Iowa, and I think something that we've made a lot of fun of Brian Ferentz. We've made a lot of fun of that offense. But I think if you watch what Iowa has done offensively, it's really not any different than what they did in years prior when they were scoring 30-some-odd points per game. There's, there haven't been any huge changes. There's not really any philosophical, philosophical differences. I think the last few years they've been hindered more by their quarterback and their offensive line than anything else. And I think for sure they have really upgraded at quarterback. And I think that that upgrade at quarterback could help the offensive line in that Iowa wasn't really able to generate much push in the run game the last few years because defenses didn't give a damn about them trying to throw the ball against them. They were just loading the box, and it really couldn't get the run game going. With McNamara, I think you're going to have to respect that passing game a little more than you've had the last two years. I think this team will score at least 30 points per game, and not just on defense. I I look at the Hawkeyes as a team that's kind of being slept on because of all the jokes. They would be my pick to win the West right now. I think that we I know they're going to be great on defense. They're great on defense every year. I know they're going to be good on special teams. And if that offense is just above average... They're going to win a whole hell of a lot of games. I'm I'm way on the over here. Under. Um, wow, Hawkeye hater. Yeah, let me work in reverse for you. Um, at Penn State, there's one loss. Uh, I I do think at Wisconsin is going to be another loss. And then are you only going to slip up one more time? And look, Danny, you're right. The home road splits are very favorable in terms of where some of these games are going to be and and playing. Um, in Iowa City, that's a unique environment there. Like, they get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got a <laughs> wave. Like, listen, there is a lot of passion and energy, but I just don't think that the, the separation that Iowa has right now from an Illinois, from uh, Minnesota, you know, the, the chances that you go and you slip up against Nebraska when Matt Rule has had all season to be able to, you know, settle things down at the very end of the year – I just think that they pick up two more losses outside of Penn State and Wisconsin. Like when I when I did my win loss toss up analysis, I got it right at eight and a half. So this is not a strong play, but I think that because they're the margins are so so small, and I do have a little bit of respect for some of these other teams. I think eight and four is more likely than nine and three. I will be picking Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West, and uh, and I'm going under on the Hawkeyes. One of Bud's two overs is Iowa. So Chip is the lone standout in hating the Hawkeyes this year. So Iowa fans, that's the guy you go after. He's also tra- he's also the points tracker as well. Yeah. No, that actually is to, like I was looking for that. Uh, somebody, here we go. 
Uh, Andy in the live chat says this pod needs to discuss Iowa's weekly over under punt total. Oh, I forgot. I thought he was talking about the tracker. So Tom has actually been assigned Mm -hmm. through like five different writing assignments to keep track of how many points Iowa has scored and then figure out how many more they need to score each week to be able to hit 300. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tom Fernelli will be our expert and uh, be sure to follow all of his work at cbsports.com. Um, <laughs> tell him, Kyle. Hey, listen, hating on Iowa's offense is not a jailable offense. Okay, those are citation-worthy crimes. That's it. Count them up. The Minnesota Golden Gophers over under win total of a round seven with over at minus one ten and under at minus one twenty. They begin on that week one Thursday night with a matchup against Nebraska. Boy, those are two coaches with a lot of cliches. Who can bring more <laughs> cliches to the field between P.J. Fleck and Matt Rule? Okay, Eastern Michigan at home uh, in week two, and then back-to-back road trips, first at North Carolina on September 16th, then at Northwestern on the 23rd, Louisiana at home, Michigan at home, off on October 14th, back in action for the back half of the schedule at Iowa, Michigan State at home, Illinois at home, at Purdue, at Ohio State, and then Wisconsin in the finale. Um, Danny, what are we doing with Minnesota and seven? Uh, I feel pretty confident about the under on this one. I feel like there is, I think seven and five is probably the more likely outcome of these, but the likelihood that they go eight and four versus five and uh, seven, I think is, uh, or six and six is far greater. Um, so I'm going to take the under again. Some of it has to do with schedules, but I had them, I had them losing uh, to Nebraska. I had them losing Eastern Michigan. I had them losing North Carolina, or excuse me, two and zero losing North Carolina on the road in Chapel Hill. So, um, I have them starting two and one, uh, beating Northwestern, uh, losing to Michigan, losing to Iowa, uh, then beating Michigan state, which one it's one beating, um, Illinois, which are another couple, like I've, put them in there but not feeling great like i feel like i'm talking my way into even getting there so i'm going under for sure just hold on till we get to illinois <laughs> Eric. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm under two um maybe it was because i watched uh cali manus throw two interceptions against illinois um in person um as we uh Knocked the doors off of Minnesota last year, twenty six to fourteen. Nobody really talks about that. Um, seats. And, <laughs> so I guess my point is like, are are we? Is he an upgrade from from Tanner Morgan? No, he couldn't beat him out for the job, Eric. I don't know if he's yeah. an upgrade. So so your your quarterback is the same or worse, and your running backs has to be worse because it's not Mo Ibrahim. Um, they do get Tyler Newbin back and then they're, they got a wide receiver that what seventh year, um, Tom might know his name. <laughs> yeah. Se- seventh year. Um, yeah. I'm drawing, I'm drawing on his name. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm on the under partly because of schedule and partly because I think Calic Manus, um, is not good. So I'm very much on the under here. I think there is a very real chance that Minnesota doesn't go to a bowl game this year. And it's because of my skepticism about the QB, who I know that they're pretty high on long-term. I don't know how high they are on him in 2023. 
and you look at this schedule, let's just, I mean, it's, I think PJ Fleck Brutal. is one of the more underrated coaches in the country and he's done a tremendous job with this program. But man, like you open with Nebraska on a Thursday, and yes, you get Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, and Louisiana. Those are really your only three games that I look at this schedule, and I feel overly confident Minnesota will win that game. They're going on the road to face Drake May in North Carolina. They've got Michigan. They also get Ohio State. And then is, you know, like we talked about how Wisconsin got Ohio State, then got the worst sorry with Indiana and Rutgers. Minnesota doesn't get that. Their third East team is Michigan State, who we talked about on Monday's show, I think is going to be better than most people realize. So there is no break in this schedule. It's every single week they're going to be in kind of like a knockdown, drag-out fight. And when I have that kind of skepticism about their QB and their offense, like I think their defense is pretty good. I think Rossi's done a very good job with that, and I think they're going to continue to be strong on that side of the ball. But, man, it is hard for me to find enough wins on here that I feel confident about to go over. I'm taking the under. I think this is a six and six team. I think if everything goes right, they're seven and five. And I think if they suffer a few too many injuries, they're going to be five and seven, four and eight. So under. I have built in my mind the idea of a Minnesota football team that can bully you at the line of scrimmage and run the ball down your throat. But we are replacing those very good running backs. We are replacing some interior offensive linemen. Yeah. I'm going to be asking new faces to be able to come and maintain that standard. And that's a little bit of an unknown for me, especially with the questions of the quarterback um, that it, we are all rowing in the same way. It is towards the under that is where I'm going as well. And Bud is on the under. So that's a clean sweep. All five of us. <laughs> Sorry, Gophers. <laughs> It's no longer just fraudulent Fernelli anymore. It's the whole damn show. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, the moment that Eric has been waiting for. Time to break down Illinois' win total, plus Nebraska, Purdue, and Northwestern. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast again, our thanks to Eric. He won 
the eBay auction proceeds going to benefit the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Uh, and if you would like to get in on the SEC auction, it is open right now. There is a link here on YouTube in the episode description. There is a link if you're listening in the episode description, uh, and we will be promoting it on social media as well. That will run until next Tuesday. So for the next week, if you would like to get in on the SEC win total show, which will be on Wednesday, August 16th, uh, then go ahead and get the bidding going. The standard has been set. We have had great performances from Wade, Hank, and I would say that as we are here at the midpoint, Eric's doing a stellar job, but now it's his time to shine, baby. He didn't wear an Isaiah Williams jersey for nothing. It's time for us to break down Illinois' win total. Illinois' win total is at 6.5 with the over at minus 120, with the under at minus 110. The season starts against Toledo at home, then at Kansas, then Penn State at home, then a visit from Tom Herman and FAU, at Purdue, Nebraska on a short turnaround Friday night, at Maryland, and then Wisconsin. So eight straight games, then they finally get their off week on the 28th, return to action November 4th at Minnesota, Indiana at home, at Iowa, and then Northwestern. Eric, talk me through it. What do we like? What concerns us? How are we feeling about the fighting Illini in 2023? All right, hear me out. I know interest rates are high right now, but it may be worth taking out a second mortgage and betting this over, okay? <laughs> and, and here's why. The best defensive front in the Big Ten is Tom Illinois. Illinois. It, Illinois. Not according to Phil Steele, it's not. <laughs> yeah, he can go with, a, what, what'd he go, Ohio State or something like that? He had like a four-way tie for first and then Illinois in fifth. Come on, Phil. Yeah, not so accurate anymore, are you? <laughs> so – so I know Tom's gonna gonna say that he's worried about the secondary. I'm I'm actually not because if you watch that uh, Mississippi State bowl game, they didn't have uh, Spoon, they didn't have Taz Nicholson, so and they didn't have Sidney Brown, I believe. And so they they did really well. Gave up 13 points, but one uh, against Will Rogers, one touchdown, two interceptions. They held their own partly because that that defensive front is so good and they kind of make up for maybe some inexperience. And so I'm not even worried about the defensive line uh, or the, the secondary. And so um, I'm definitely on the over on this and I like the schedule. The schedule's favorable. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. So I want to hear Danny. I am actually with you. Not as confident. I'm not taking out another mortgage. All right. I, we, already, we already took off a HELOC to get some work done around there. I'm not taking out any more money. All right. But I will say I so I had them I had them close to the number, and there were a lot of toss-up games. Uh the Minnesota game was one of them. And I actually had that as a loss, but not not like a confident one, but because it was on the road, some of that. But I do think like the Kansas game is early. I think they'll be able to push around Kansas a little bit. And I think they should. I think they should win that game on the road. Um, as has been pointed out in our text chat on the cover three text chat several times throughout the year, every time they landed a transfer or a recruit, we are reminded of it by our buddy, Tom Fornelli, who lets us know. <laughs> so even though, yes, they've lost a lot of talent and some of it to the NFL, I feel pretty good about the replacements they have coming in, especially in the secondary. And then I also a believer, a believer in uh, Brett Bielema as the program builder. Like I think they will improve. I don't think you'll see much of a setback for uh, the Illini. 
and I think Luke Altmaier is no disrespect to Tommy DeVito or his mom or anybody else, but Luke Altmaier, I think, could be an upgrade there at quarterback as well. So I'm going to go over to. Not slam dunk, but I think I'm going to take the over. You'll be shocked to learn that I am also <laughs> on the over. Um, I think you guys have a lot of the key points. I do have some concerns about that secondary in that Kansas game, specifically because Kansas's entire offensive philosophy is designed to confuse defenses and kids like without the experience could easily be confused. So that does concern me. But overall, I mean, I, I, I know Ryan Walters has gone to Purdue. It's a big loss. He had he did a fantastic job as a defensive coordinator the last couple of years, but I, I have full confidence in Aaron Henry and Brett Bielema and that entire staff. It's it's the Illinois defense. It's not just Ryan Walters' defense. So I still think they're going to be good, especially because when you have the talent that they have on their defensive line and the depth, they're going to be fine. The offensive line, I think, is still strong. There's some new faces on it, but I know that they're pretty optimistic about what they have there. Replacing Chase Brown, I think, from a statistical standpoint, is tough, and I think Chase Brown was a very good player. But when it comes to Brett Bielema's history as a head coach, he's shown that his teams typically end up replacing the running backs and moving on pretty well. I'm with Danny. I think Altmeyer is an upgrade on DeVito, specifically when it comes to vertical passing, which is something that this offense did not really have much of a threat of last year. I think at the receiver spot and at the quarterback spot, they are more capable of pushing the ball down the field. The concerns I have is the schedule. Like If you go through it, there aren't any games that you don't think Illinois can't win, but there aren't any gimmies either. Like Toledo to open the year, Toledo might win the MAC. It's a very good MAC team and has been for years. That's not going to be a cakewalk. At Kansas, we've gone over. Penn State, you know, at home to open, you know, Big Ten play, that's tough. And then you get an FAU team that, yeah, it's in Champaign, and I think Illinois is going to win that game. But Tom Herman's first year there, that, that, you know, an athletic team, that could be more difficult than many people think. And you get into conference, you get Purdue on the road, Maryland on the road, Minnesota on the road, and Iowa on the road. That makes those games tougher. At home, you get Indiana, Wisconsin, Nebraska. I think they can win those three games. So I don't think – I think there's a very good chance Illinois wins fewer games this year than it did last year, but is a better team. So I'm going over. I think that they're going to – I think seven and five is very much in play. I think eight and four is in play more likely than six and six. So there we go. Illinois, uh, ex- oh, go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, so I may or may not have Tom Fernelli's uh, over-unders pulled up uh, on my monitors here. You've got them losing to Purdue. What, is, what are we doing? <laughs> Ryan Walters' revenge game? It's Had in West Lafayette. <laughs> Just strict simulations. When I do my – listen, I'm a full-blown homer on this show. Won't deny it. When it comes to the writing stuff and doing that kind of thing, I'm objective as possible. <laughs> so and, and and also you know in that exercise eric just and I've, i might have mentioned this before but when they ask us to pick every <laughs> single game <laughs> in the whole conference and you have to make that's not truly the way that i would recommend anybody approaching win totals because it is a little bit more of a, a toss-up which is like the center of illinois thing illinois is firmly in the middle tier of the full 14 team big 10 the problem is they're in that middle tier with like six other teams and so i'm on the over but i need this team to be road warriors to be able to get it done if they're going to be able to get there i need them to be able to go win games at kansas at purdue at maryland at minnesota at iowa not all of them but they need to win more than half of those because i've got this schedule with seven coin flippy kind of games and 
that's where trust in the coaching staff, that's where trust in being great at the line of scrimmage, like really like fundamental, bare bones, good football team type stuff, including, um, you know, being able to, to replace the running back, being able to have the upgraded quarterback, that all factors into my over, going over. But again, that's that's my um, my big note here is road warriors. They got to be able to go get it done away from Champaign. I think that they will. That defensive line will travel. But is also on the over. Clean sweep. Illinois podcast right here. We got to hang out more often. <laughs> <laughs> Count them up. The Matt Rule era at Nebraska. It's off and running. And he gets it started over on the win total for the Cornhuskers at six and a half. The under juiced a little bit at minus 140. If you're feeling confident in the Huskers, plus 110, a little positive payout. You get started on that Thursday night, week one at Minnesota, then at Colorado in week two, Northern Illinois for your home opener on September 16th, then Louisiana Tech at home, Michigan at home, at Illinois on a short turnaround Friday night, and then off on October 14th. Back in action for the final six games of the season with Northwestern at home, then Purdue at home, then at Michigan State, then Maryland at home, then at Wisconsin, then Iowa at home on Black Friday. Tom, we've got uh, Jeff Sims coming in at the quarterback position and taking over. There's really no question about the quarterback battle. I feel like they've very much signaled that he is going to be the guy through and through. A couple other transfer portal additions to fill gaps for a team that was built out of the transfer portal and Scott Frost last season. What do we think? What are we doing at the Cornhuskers in six and a half? The absolute slightest over. Like I am not overly confident in this one. What it comes down to in the end, more than anything, is and Nebraska fans, I, I don't, you know, you might want to, you know, PTSD kind of curl up into a ball and get ready here. There were so many times in the Scott Frost era in which Nebraska you know, could have won the game and gave it away with dumb, stupid mistakes and just kind of, you know, bad coaching, to be blunt about it. I think this is a better coaching staff. Like, I I know Bud has some concerns over the offensive coordinator hire, and I get that, but I just think as far as a game day situation, decision-making in close games in which Nebraska has a chance to win, I think this team is less likely to make mistakes than they have been in the last few years. And when I look at the schedule... Like the home slate, the only game that they're playing at home where I don't think they have an actual chance of winning is Michigan. I think they can beat Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern, Purdue, Maryland, and I think they could beat Iowa on Black Friday to end the season. So that gives me some confidence in just, again, slightly going over. But I also think that this is Nebraska. It is completely capable of screwing things up. Like they could start 0-2. Like they're starting with two road games at Minnesota, at Colorado. I think they're going to win at least one of them, but they could start 0-2. And And if that's the case, maybe you lose buy-in, maybe you lose excitement going into the rest of the year and things kind of snowball. So not, not the over... Not super confident in this one. Definitely not going to be on the locks pod. I've got them at 6.7 wins, therefore over. I've got them at six and six. I've got them at under. Although I think there's a chance, like, and this is one where I don't feel great about it. I wish you could see what would happen in the first game. Like, if they pull off the upset at Minnesota, they start 4-0. Like, I could see them, like, having a ton of momentum. Mm -hmm. People are talking about Matt Rule. And then I still think they get smoked by Michigan. But I think that game is way more intriguing, way more compelling. And they have a lot more confidence. But uh, I thought my mic went out. Sorry about that. Um but on the flip side, I don't think they beat Minnesota. I think they lose that game. I think they split. And I think it's I think it's just more of a learning curve year. 
where there's going to be some ups, there's going to be some downs. Uh, I love Jeff Sims. I think he's going to be, you know, dynamic. He's going to be fun to watch. We all know what he did at Georgia Tech. But ultimately, like, and I finished, I think they finished the season 0-2 at Wisconsin, Iowa. Like, I just, I'm trying to talk, I was trying to talk myself into it because I want it to be the story. But if you do go back and look at Matt Rule, wherever he's turned it around, it's been, you know, a rough start because he's had to clean up. Now, those were much harder turnarounds. Like, I think they'll be better. I think you'll see it. I think they'll be more disciplined. I just don't think it's going to happen, uh, you know, this year. So I am at six and six. Under. Um, I woke up this morning, and in my notes, I had him at over. And then I went to Matt Rule's Wikipedia page. And so if you go to his Wikipedia page, it says the head coaching uh, records. Uh, at Temple, he started out 2-10, and 10, and then Baylor 1-11. and 11. This is – Scott Frost didn't leave him an easy, you know, plug and play type of deal. Jeff Sims, I didn't really understand that take. Uh, I know you're, you said you're high on him. Um, or Danny, Danny said he was disagreed high on him. with you so much. He left the show, <laughs> but I mean, maybe you guys can speak on this, but uh, I mean, Jeff Sims, did, did that make a ton of sense taking him? Yeah. I think Jeff I Sims think so. is a really good player. So maybe I, I'm I'm looking at a stat, but what what happened last year where he was was he hurt last year? Yeah, he got yeah, a little okay, bit banged okay. up, so they had to bring in Zach Gibson. They had Pyron coming yeah. in. I mean, it was just a, a disaster. Georgia Tech was a mess. Georgia Tech, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, and so I guess I'm I'm on the under mainly because I think I I believe in Matt Rule. I just think it's year two, year three, not year one. So, Let's see, the notes say over, and I hate it. <laughs> and I hate it. Uh, I think at Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern should be wins, but man, a lot of toss-ups. Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, and Iowa. And of those, you've got three of them that are going to be at home. And, you know, there's there's a fun little stat about Matt Rule because Matt Rule, great job at Baylor. One thing he never did at Baylor was beat a top 25 team. 0-11 against ranked mm-hmm. opponents during his three years at Baylor. Uh, has a couple of top 25 wins back from his days at Temple against like a number 19 Navy, against like a number 21 Houston. But this is a head coach that in his college record does a great job of beating up on the teams that you should beat and just normally bumps your head. The good news for Nebraska and that trend is that, you know, how many of these teams are going to be ranked in the top 25? because I think that there's enough teams that Nebraska should be equal or better than that they're going to be able to be a 6-6 six and six team. And my mind process says that 7 is the way to go here. But, man, I, I, would, not, I would not bet this. I would not recommend the Illinois over second mortgage for, uh, <laughs> for this particular wager. But... Yeah, that's the schedule is just simply does not have enough teams that I think are of top 25 quality for me to think that Nebraska is for sure going to get six losses. So mm. Bud is also on the under. And I will say with the Matt rule first year trend, very different situations. I think overall, like he took the Baylor over after the whole Art Bryles thing. So that was a very difficult situation. And also the transfer portal did not exist when he did that. So he wasn't able to bring guys in as quickly as he was this off season. How many games are going to win this fall? Ryan Walters taking over for Jeff Brom at Purdue as the Boilermakers come off a Big Ten West title and Big Ten title game appearance. Caesar Sportsbook has it at five wins with the over at plus 100 and the under at minus 130. 
And buddy, this like this. I hope that in I hope that in the negotiations on the contract that they were able to put in some some stipulations for what he was walking into thanks to this athletic department. <laughs> Purdue opens the season with Fresno State, like one of the best programs in the Mountain West, a road trip to Lane Stadium, enter Sandman and Virginia Tech, and then Syracuse at home returning its quarterback and its best pass catcher off a season when they were finally bowl eligible again. Yeesh. Then it's Wisconsin at home. Ah, uh, Illinois then at Iowa, and then Ohio State <laughs> off on October 21st, then at Nebraska, at Michigan, Minnesota at home, at Northwestern, and Indiana. So they get Ohio State and Michigan from the east. They draw a, a legitimate, like, potential 0-3, 1-2 type scenario in their non-conference schedule. Uh, Eric, can you talk me to six wins with this Boilermakers team? Not even close. I don't know if I can talk you to four. Um, oh. I don't okay. <laughs> the rivalry I'm comes out. So now I'm interested. So, so I looked at the the opening game against Fresno. Fresno at home, they're only five point favorites, right? And mm-hmm. so if they're only five point favorites against Fresno, who else on that schedule are they gonna be favored by other they their last two games is the answer. You know, they get Indiana Correct. and uh Northwestern. You know, they'll get those, but who, who else are they going to be favored by more than four or five points? And so I, I, I think best case scenario, you could get to six. And if you told me they were two, two and 10, they won the, their last two games. I can, I can see that too. Um, yeah. I just, I think their defense is a mess. It can't be fixed in one year. It's going to take more than that. Um, Hudson card. I like, you know, he was my, my pick over, you know, our quarterback that we got. And, um, I like him. He's got TJ Sheffield to throw to, um, but he's no Charlie Jones. I maybe it's because Ryan Walters lives in my head rent free, but I'm I'm on the under. And you know, if I could do an alternate of three and a half, four, I would take that to get some juice going. He's saying ladder down, baby. Sometimes you want to ladder <laughs> up. Eric says ladder down on that one total. Tom, you know, I'm just I'm happy because I've. Purdue fans think I hate Purdue, so I'm happy we finally have somebody on the show that actually hates Purdue and maybe reflect some of that for me. Um, yeah, I, I think push is the most likely outcome here. I, I go yeah. over since we have to make a pick because I that non-con is difficult. There's no way. Like, that is not what you really – if you're Purdue, that is really not what you want to be doing. You don't want to be scheduling a strong G5 and two P5 opponents in your non-con, even if – the two P5s aren't exactly in the best shape that they have been, particularly Virginia Tech, but that is still Virginia Tech on the road in Lane Stadium. That's going to be a difficult game, but I do think Purdue's going to win two of those, if not all three. Why can't so, you just put IUPUI on that schedule? I mean, come on. Yeah. Why, are, yeah. why isn't there a MAC team on this schedule? Like, no offense, but why aren't you playing Akron? Why are you playing Syracuse and Virginia Tech? Um, but yeah, the conference schedule is just an absolute monster like the yes the last two games are at northwestern and indiana that's great that is a nice soft pillow landing but oh my god would you have to get through to get there like wisconsin illinois at iowa ohio state by at nebraska at michigan minnesota 
that is a very tough first season for a coaching staff. And even if this team did win the division last year, it did lose a whole hell of a lot. And I think Ryan Walters is a very good long-term player for this program. I think that defense will get figured out. And it'll probably be better at the end of the year than it will be at the start of the year. But I think going forward with his coaching and some of the recruiting momentum that they've already picked up on the trail, I think this is a good hire long-term for Purdue. But I think 2023 could be pretty rough, even with Hudson Card, who I really like too. It's just, yeah, like Eric was saying, there are no games on the schedule where you feel like they're going to be definitive favorites, and there are a few where you feel like they're going to be pretty healthy underdogs. So five and seven is most likely. I'll give them the over, though, but just barely. I won't, <laughs> but I, I do. I, I am not on the ladder it down play. I Five and seven, I'm my, I've got pushed to under, you know, hold my feet to the fire. Uh, I think that, there's something also to be said for how difficult it's going to be to hold this thing together when those winnable games are at the end of the season. You know, I think that they will get there, but in, in those coin flip games, when it's, if it's been loss after loss, after loss, after loss, it's just going to be really tough. And look, Ryan Walters exceeds expectations. Then Purdue fans should be thrilled. I just think there's a lot to replace and a lot to clean up uh, for this group to really be at its peak under the new head coach. How many games are going to win this fall? Now, one piece of information I was not able to track down was where this win total was before Pat Fitzgerald was fired. Three and a half. So it's only gone down half? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Northwestern, three wins at Caesar Sportsbook, over minus 115, under minus 115. Uh, we start on the Sunday on... Sunday on CBS, September 3rd, noon Eastern time, Northwestern at Rutgers. Big 10 on CBS. Uh, Then UTEP at home for the home opener on September 9th. Then at Duke, Minnesota at home, Penn State at home, Howard at home, off on October 14th. Then back in action with at Nebraska, Maryland at home, Iowa in Wrigley Field, at Wisconsin, Purdue, and at Illinois. And now I get to ask two Illinois fans what to do with the northwestern win total of three over by october is that what you guys say oh uh, no I, howard game? I think they, by october so they're gonna hit this before howard <laughs> wow well, over no, by mid-october yeah mid-october first of october that's what i meant to say october 7th to be exact so I think they sweep the non-con. Duke was super fluky last year. And I know you guys probably think Rutgers has the advantage uh, in that game. First of all, may I remind you, Northwestern's never lost in Ireland before. They're actually undefeated. Um, And, okay, so the reason I'm going Northwestern to win that – so I I think they sweep the non-con, and they just got to catch one. And they'll catch Rutgers because Rutgers has the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. The worst quarterback. I mean, and, and Tom, you'll appreciate this. He, he gives me Arthur Archer Sukowski vibes, right? Well, the stat of like – That man was a hero <laughs> for like two games. Hey, hey we, love, we love him, but him at Rutgers, now coach. not pretty. Now coach, great guy, but not a good quarterback at Rutgers. So my point is, so you've got Ben Bryant, who I – he's played a lot of football, right? And so if you're going to tell me that there's a definitive advantage – when you've got that quarterback, you know, competition, those guys going after each other, I, give me give me Ben Bryant, give me A.J. Henning, 
I'm pretty sure those are the only players I can name on the team, but we'll, <laughs> the we'll transfers. go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's my advice for this one. Like, if instead of betting the season-long win total, if you think Northwestern's going to go over, just bet, bet them to beat Rutgers. Yeah. If you think they're going to go under, <laughs> bet them to lose to Rutgers. Like, because yep. I think they're yep. going to beat UTEP at home and they're going to beat Howard at home. And then after that, like, it's all going to come down to the Rutgers game because, like, I don't think they're beating Duke. I think Duke overperformed last year, but I think even an overperforming Duke coming back to earth is a better team than Northwestern, especially at home. So I, I like Duke in that game quite a bit. But when you get to the rest of this Big Ten schedule, like, they're not better than Minnesota, even at home. They're definitely not better than Penn State, even at home. They're not going to beat Nebraska on the road. They're probably not beating Maryland at home. Playing Iowa at Wrigley Field, Northwestern doesn't have a great history of playing at Wrigley Field. They're probably going to be more Iowa fans in that stadium than there will be Northwestern fans. At Wisconsin, that's a loss. Purdue, maybe, but probably a loss. And at Illinois to finish the season, they're going to lose by like 45. So... I think <laughs> I think three and nine is in play if they win that Rutgers game, but it's on the road. I'm going under. Like I think two and ten is very much in play with another winless Big Ten season. And it's I do think they've upgraded at QB. I think Henning is an interesting player, but he was at Michigan for a while and he was never really productive at receiver as much as he was on special teams. Maybe he breaks through. It's just I feel like Northwestern is not the place receivers go to break through. So I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a whole lot more going into this than just the football team for obviously. So I just don't know. Maybe they rally around everything that's happened this offseason and we see like a, you know, like a movie kind of this locker room came together and had the surprise season and shocked everybody. But I doubt it. Again, two and 10, 0 oh and nine in the Big Ten. Which, which is why I think they cancel each other out. You can't definitively say that they're going to quit. You can't definitively say that they don't catch a little fire, beat Rutgers, beat UTEP, and all of a sudden get, gain a little bit of confidence and get it going. So I'm going to put it to the side. This team went 1-11 and last season. I think the upgrades are minimal, and they lost their head coach. Um, and that that's not even diving into like the reasons why they lost it and all the off-field stuff. So I was like, we have a coaching change. We have inexperience at the head coaching position, turmoil, like all that. I, I'm on the under. I Even my process comes out to 2.5. So give me the under on Northwestern and uh, it's going to be one long naked bear crawl of a season. <laughs> is, is this the first, is this the, the first um, over under that we'll know after the first game of the season? Oh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Cause it's sure. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also we can't put it past Howard to go in there and beat him. No, we can't put it past UTEP to go in there and beat him. We can't put it past anybody to beat this Northwestern team after what we saw last year. Hmm. Gracious. So that thank you. Uh thank Eric, thank you. You did a great job. Hey, you maintained well, the standard. What what one question? Um I, I told somebody I was gonna ask this. Maybe I missed it because you guys covered it in a, a conference realignment episode that I maybe maybe missed. What is what is Jag Plus? Oh, um just a guy. So just like a, guy. a Jag well, okay. is just a guy. <laughs> But he's slightly and, more. Yeah, and the Jag Plus. And so, like, if you're building a roster and yeah. you might just need a Jag Plus at a certain position because everything else is in place, but if you've got a Jag, well, then that, that might be putting a ceiling 
on what you can accomplish as a team. Yeah, do you do you follow baseball? Um, the Cubs when they're winning. All right. So do you know like what war is? Like a zero war player is just a replacement level. Wins wins above replacement. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like a Jag is a zero war player. A Jag plus is like a two war player in that he's not a negative, but he's not adding a whole ton to your team. Yeah. So that's that's exactly where it comes from. That's a Jag plus. So no, I wish I was a Jag is it, plus. Is it, is a Jag? Does a Jag sleep uh, in the bullpen? Um, for the for the White Sox, or no? <laughs> the White Sox wish they had more Jags on the team. Unfortunately, <laughs> they have mostly Jag minuses, <laughs> and they have Jag minuses in the front office, and they have a Jag triple minus owning the team. So, yeah. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. We appreciate your charitable contribution to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Again, if you want to get in on the SEC win totals guest picker, the auction is now live. Link in the episode description, and that will be for next Wednesday, August 16th. For tomorrow, we'll be opening up the big old bag of mail and taking some live mailbag questions, so be sure to get those in. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. Eric, you want to shout out any, any place where people can follow you? It's Eric Coombs, E-R-I-C-K-U-H-N. Let's go. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. I-L-L. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.